I didn't want to stop worshiping. Amen. Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for your presence here in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and take your seat. I'm going to read uh, a portion of scripture, a verse from the book of Acts. And I was kind of um, inspired. We had a we had a class here. Um, I, I'm teaching a class, and, and we brought the class here on uh, this past week on a Monday night. And uh, we were teaching a class on baptism and some other things that we were talking about. And, and Gary was sitting in, and, and afterwards, Gary and I had this conversation, and, and uh, we were talking about some of the things that, that we were talking about in the class. And, and he brought up, you, you know, we never hear about that. You know, there's something that we don't talk about. And I thought, yeah, you know, Gary, you're right, man. We, we don't. And so I was, I was inspired to, to talk about it this morning. And so uh, I'm going to be reading from the book of, uh, the book of Acts. And, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of taking a different approach to what Gary and I had a conversation about. Uh, a, little, a little something different, but... Um, uh, yeah, but he was my inspiration. The Lord used Gary to, to speak to me. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Man, I had a good time in worship. Man, especially like on Friday night, we had a powerful time worship. Uh, and, you know, the, after the, the message, we, you know, we just kind of continued in the Spirit of worship. Tommy preached on Friday night, and we're, you know, we're gonna be doing something special for Brother Tommy. He's gonna be moving soon, and we want to have a, like a, sending him away with, a, you know, a party, do some kind of a party or something. He's been, I think Tommy has been the oldest member of the church besides myself. You know, I think, yeah, he's already gone. You know. <laughs> He's probably, I think he's in the back. Yeah, so Acts chapter 9, verse 17. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. This is what it says. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray this morning that you would allow me to communicate these words to your people. Help, help us to hear, Lord, what, um, what you want to say. Father, I thank you um, for speaking to me and to, to us about these things we pray that you would bring clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen. 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 Now this, I don't know if you've ever read this story, but before this event, Saul was an enemy of the church. Saul hated Christians. He was an enemy of, of the church, and he had been violent to the church, uh, full of hatred. He was a disbeliever. He did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe anything that Jesus taught. He didn't believe anything, anything that the Christians believed. And so 
in his hatred and disbelief, he was rounding up Christians and throwing them in jail. He was going from door to door. He was finding out where they lived. He was finding families, Christian families. He was arresting them, taking them uh, by force. In some places, it is uh, inferred that he even, some were even killed because of, of Saul. He had been given orders from the high priest, you know, to eliminate Christianity in Damascus. You know, but God had other plans for Saul. And he was bent on destruction for the destruction of the church, but God had other plans for Saul. And, and as easy as it would have been for God to do the work in Saul's life, God knocked him down, and, and we'll read that passage. He knocked him down. He, he uh, uh, you know, blinded him. He spoke to him. And as easy as it would have been for God to finish that work, to restore Saul, to, to challenge him, to, to get right, what God did is he used Ananias to lay hands on him. He used Ananias to lay hands on him. In Acts chapter 9, verse 10, I'm going to read verse 10. It says this, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, just a plain guy, just a, one of the disciples. This is not the Ananias who was married to Sapphira. That guy was dead already. Different guy. Ananias, the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Verse 12, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So Saul had already had this vision. Saul is blind and he's there in this house and God is telling Ananias, he's already seen you coming. He doesn't know you. And in fact, when you show up, he can't see you. He's blind. But he knows that a man named Ananias is going to come and lay hands on him. And at the laying on of his hands, his, his sight will be restored. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the, the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. It was Jesus who met Saul on the road to Damascus. It was Jesus who did an inner work in Saul's life. But the miracle of transformation happened at the hands of Ananias. God could have done it all on his own. God doesn't need Ananias. God does not need me. God does not need you. God could have done everything in Saul's life all by himself, but he decides that the miracle of transformation is going to happen at the hands of Ananias. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit was given to Saul at the laying on of his hands. Not only that, 
But Saul's eyesight was healed. He showed up into that room. Saul was blind. Remember, he is blind. He came knocking on the door, enters the and, and he says, you know, brother. He calls him brother. He wasn't even saved. Brother. And he goes and, and you know, Saul's probably like, who that? You know, like looking, trying to see. And he lays his hands on him. And he probably remembered the vision that he saw. He probably remembered if, whether it came as a dream or, or however he saw it. But, but he, he, you know, here he comes and he says, brother, brother Saul, you know, and, and he lays his hands on him and he receives the Holy Spirit. Now, he's not even saved, but he is now. The laying on of his hands. His eyesight was healed. He wasn't even a believer at this time, but he received the Holy Spirit. Who in the world is Ananias? Who in the world is this man with such incredible spiritual power? Who, who, who could do such a thing? You know, Ananias represents you. He represents you. He represents me. He represents anyone who is willing to be led by the Spirit to do what God is simply asking us to do, and he was willing to go, willing to lay his hands on Saul, willing to impart blessing, willing to consecrate, to pray for him, to touch him. There's something about touch. He laid his hands on him, and years of violent rage went away. Years of violent, he was violent against the church, hated the church. It was a deep-seated passion of Paul's to eliminate the church. I will do it in Jerusalem. I'll go down to Damascus. I'll go wherever I need to go to stamp out Christianity. He hated Christians. He hated their faith. He hated their worship. He hated their confession. He was there when Stephen got stoned, man. He hated to hear what Stephen was saying as he was worshiping God and his last breath was leaving his body. He was there to approve of his death, checking and making sure this guy, you know, is he still breathing? Throw another stone on him, you know. He hated Christians, deeply hated Christians. But when Ananias laid his hands upon him, years of rage evaporated. Man, you ever deal with rage? You ever deal with hatred? Is there ever anything in your life that seems like it just don't go away? It just won't go away? It has a grip? Man, he laid his hands on him, and in an instant, it evaporated, went away, simply because God sent him, go and place your hands on this man. And by the laying on of his hands, something happened. Years of unforgiveness. Saul came to that town with no intentions of serving Jesus. He was there to wreak havoc. He was there to, to cause you know, corruption in the church, to destroy it. Chaos, man, to have them scrambling around to, to, to you know, flee the city, to run, to, to leave everything behind. But at the laying on of hands, his rage was subdued in an instant. And the whole direction of Saul's life was turned around. Imagine that. God's favor fell upon him. Because this man who knew about Saul, he knew about his history, he heard about Saul, he knew that he was there, he knew why he was there, and he even tried to, to, you know, to kind of broker this deal with God. You know, God, I kind of know who that guy is. I know who it is you're telling me about. I know who it is you want me to pray for. 
I'm not sure that I should do that. And God says, go, man. This is my chosen instrument. And on the laying on of his hands, man, Saul's whole world changed. Thank God for Ananias. Man, we need more people like Ananias. Because I have people right now that, I, man, I, oh, man, if Ananias can lay hands on them. There are people that I know right now. I would love to see transformation like this. I would love to see, I would love to hear the testimony that, hey, you know, guess what? Guess what? A phone call. Guess what happened? Somebody laid hands on this one and somebody laid hands on that one and the rage is gone. The, the, that whole direction, the, the burden, the bondage is gone because they were obedient to the spirit and they set that captive free. I don't even see him praying in this passage. Just a description of why he was there. That's all there is. He just described why he had come so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he told him. And immediately, the Bible says that scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. For three days, he had been physically blind after God knocked him down off his horse. For three days, he had been physically blind, but in reality, it had been at least 33 years that he had been spiritually blind, never knowing the truth. And in an instant, by the laying on of his hands, from years of being blind to his purpose, years of being spiritually blind to reality, blind to his calling, blind to his God-given potential, in an instant, God lifted his blindness. He had no idea how God could use him. And there are people just like Saul, have no clue of the potential that their lives have. No clue, blind to their purpose, blind to their destiny. And, and he was convinced that what he is doing is from God. I'm, I'm doing God's work, man, stamping out Christianity. I'm doing God's work, leading Christians into prison, breaking up families, blind to his real, true calling. But when Ananias laid his hands on him, it was as if Jesus himself touched Saul and transformed his life. You know, in the Old Testament, the laying on of hands was a sign of transfer. It was a sign of, of transfer from one to another. Sometimes it was a transfer of blessing. Sometimes it was a transfer of power. There were times when uh, Moses, for instance, laid hands on Joshua to symbolize his leadership. He laid hands on him, and it was as if something from Moses to Joshua was transferred. The anointing of leadership, blessing, and power. Jacob laid hands on the heads of his grandsons to, to, to convey blessing, to bless them, to, to enrich their lives. That the favor of God that was upon Jacob would be passed from Jacob and God gave through grace the, the ability for Jacob to decide that. I am gonna bless my children. I am gonna lay hands on my children and the blessing and favor that I've received, I wanna pass on to my family. And the way it was passed on was by laying on of hands. It was intended to convey virtue, to convey something, to pass something on. When a priest prayed for the forgiveness of Israel, they would actually take a goat 
and he would lay his hands on the head of that goat. You ever heard the term scapegoat? That's where the term comes from. They would take the sins of Israel, all of the sins of Israel, and through his hands, place his hands on the goat and then set the goat free in the wilderness. And the sins of Israel were separated. That, that goat would just go, I'm free? Praise the Lord, man. He would take off. <laughs> off in the wilderness. No more, you know, you know, ropes tied to his, go, you know, go. God separated the sins of Israel through the laying on of hands. There was meaning. There was purpose. And they were set free. In the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus touched a man full of leprosy and immediately his leprosy was cured. He touched Peter's mother-in-law who suffered from a fever and her fever left her. The woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, man, she turned it around. Man, he's touching me, I'm gonna touch him. And she touched the hem of his garment and was healed of 12 years of bleeding. Jesus touched eyes and restored sight. He touched coffins and restored life. He even touched deaf ears. He touched cut off ears and restored those ears so that they could hear. It didn't matter. He restored all of it in a touch. The Bible says that people brought their babies to him to have him, him touch their babies. There was something transferred in a touch. I wonder if we've lost that today. I wonder if we've lost it. I wonder if God ever calls us in the same way that he called Ananias to lay hands on a person, to pray for a person. There was something transferred in the touch. But, but I, I'm almost convinced that in the same way we've lost the meaning of the rainbow, we kind of lost that, man. I think we may have lost the virtue of a prayerful, prayerful touch. Touching doesn't mean the same anymore. It's no longer socially acceptable to lay hands on anybody. Get your hands off me, you know. Somebody comes to pray for you. That happened even once at the altar. Don't touch me. Oh. <laughs> Gary, you okay? Or you... <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't Gary. Right? Something has been lost. We live in a society that avoids touch at all costs, right? People don't like touching. People, we even got sanitizer at the altar, you know, just in case. You might have touched somebody, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? We're cautious. We're careful. It, it, you know, we live in a different kind of world. In the news, there's accusations about inappropriate touch that swarm the headlines. Everybody from the president to our justices, and I say that in plural, right? And all throughout our political system, you hear about it all the time. We hear of actors and actresses, some as perpetrators, some as victims, and some as both, right? Even in Christian ministry, you hear about it. You know, but we're concerned about the care of people. An appropriate, prayerful touch is often necessary in supportive pastoral care. It's what we do. We pray and we lay hands. 
But in the present social climate that we live in, concerns about inappropriate touch and crossing boundaries, that's very real. That's a very real concern. And it affects our beliefs about the laying on of hands. Go to the house on Straight Street. Go to Judas' house. Lay hands on him. Well, I ain't gonna lay hands on him. He, what, 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 will he, what might he say if I go and just touch, you know? I don't know him, he doesn't know me. And today, people just like Saul are never healed because there are no Ananiases to pray for them. They may be arrested by the Spirit, knocked down by the Spirit. They may even have dreams of you showing up and praying for them. They may even have been told your name and what you look like, the colors that you're wearing. They may even be expecting you and waiting for you. But because of a loss of the ministry of laying on of hands, Ananias will never show up. And there they go waiting and waiting and waiting. The ministry of laying on of hands has been lost to at least a few things. And, and, and I want to mention a few of them here this morning. Number one, man, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable when we somebody asks for prayer and maybe we're at church or maybe at church, maybe we're at work, you know, or at the market or wherever we may be and somebody asks for prayer, it's awkward to say, well, let me, let me pray for you and we, and we lay hands upon them. It's an awkward thing. It's so, it's just like, you know, unnatural just to go around touching people, you know. It's, it's an awkward thing, but God wants to use you he wants to use you. And we have a history of what it looks like. There's something conveyed in touch. I was reading through uh, Psychology Today and they, there was an article about babies who were neglected from touch. That they not only will deform over time if there's limited touch, even though they may have good nutrition and all the food without touch, some give up the will to live. They give up the will to live because of no touch. It's important for babies to be caressed, to be held, to be touched immediately at birth, to touch their mothers, skin to skin, where a mother can hold the baby and a baby feels uh, uh, welcomed, uh, uh, belonging, and, 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 and are uh, inspired to fight for life. What happens in the spiritual realm when a, a new believer, a struggling believer, they're struggling and they come and they're looking for help. And we're so clinical as Christians that we pray at a distance. And there's no immediate, close and personal concern. No touch. Appropriate prayer and touch. There's gonna be other Saul's that need prayer. And the hands become instruments of grace, a way that God conveys love and favor into the lives of other people. But the reason why, one of the reasons why this ministry of laying on of hands is lost is because laying on of hands is awkward. A second reason why it's lost is that it's unpopular. And like I mentioned today in our society, man, Touch has a social stigma. Nobody wants to touch anybody. We're very careful. If we're on a crowded bus, we're, we're careful. Like, Ooh, you know, let me, 
And we're, we're like moving and, and trying to, you know, make sure that nothing, you know, grab onto the, the rail and somebody's hand, to, whoa, you know, we move our hand up the pole, you know, and make sure nobody's hand. We're, we're careful. And we make sure we have our own bottle of sanitizer, right? When we get off the bus, hello. Touch carries a social stigma. In Mark chapter 16, verse 18, the Bible promises that one of the signs that will follow those who believe is that they will lay hands on the sick and they should recover. That, that's what the Bible tells us. There are instances where the Bible tells us that the prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much, that something happened. The Bible declares that to us. It's up to us to believe it. It's up to us to practice it. But it becomes unpopular. It becomes unpopular in our current society. The hands are instruments of spiritual contact. And so we lay hands and we pray for those who have needs. Thirdly and lastly, sometimes the laying on of hands is unadvised. And we take the advice that Paul was giving to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 5.22, he says, Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. And do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. In other words, man, be careful who it is you lay hands on. Be careful how, how soon, how fast you're willing to lay hands. You need to discern the situation. It was Jesus who met Saul on the road of Damascus. It was Jesus who confronted him. But the miracle of transformation happened at the hands of Ananias. And Ananias had to try and discern. He was, and he was asking God, God, are you sure? Is this something I ought to do? I know who this guy is. He was cautious. He was discerning. And, he, and God had to confirm to him that this is what I've called you to do. I have chosen Saul. No matter what you think, I have chosen him. And God confirmed to Ananias that this is my will for his life. Go and place your hands on him. And he shows up, says, brother, I'm the one that God sent. He lays his hands on him and something powerful happened. Something transformational happened in his life. God is able to change lives. So we pray. We prepare ourselves. We don't just show up and un, without thought, without preparation, we, we pray. I'm sure Ananias prayed, man, God, I pray that, man, this guy is not, you know, go, going crazy when I show up. Uh, but he prepared himself. But you know what? Using wisdom in the climate that we live in today, not everybody should lay hands on others. So we not only discern the situation, we need to discern the individuals. You know, and we have altar calls, and we have people, we invite people to pray. And we pray for others, and we lay hands on others, and we are cautious and careful about what it means to touch, to pray with touch, because the world has been inundated with inappropriate touch. And something so powerful, something so significant can be corrupted. And all it takes is a few people. 
a few people that just simply have no respect for the move in the Spirit of God. So let God use you. If God has called you, maybe perhaps the blessing in your household, the blessing of your family, the blessing of others, the prayer at the altar for those that need help. Let God use you. According to Job, there is no higher blessing than to have someone lay their hands upon you in intercession. Job said this, speaking about God. He was talking about God when he found himself in his miserable situation. He said, he, speaking of God, he is not a man like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. You know, Job was wondering, why am I all messed up? I lost everything. He, he's not a man that I, that I might answer him or that we might confront each other in court. In court, if only there was someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hands upon us both. Someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear, without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. What he was longing for was a mediator. And that's what happens the laying on of hands. We become a mediator between God and those that we pray for. There needs to be a confidence. There needs to be faith that something is conveyed in the prayer and the laying on of hands. That something of power is transferred. That something of forgiveness, the passing of blessing, the passing of a favor from one to the other. Blessing, protection, something happens. I don't know what it is, and I wish I could explain it. I wish I could draw out diagrams and show you how it works, but I don't know how it works. I simply know that it works. So let God use you, amen? You have children, family members in need, someone you know that is sick, pray and believe God that through the laying on of hands, God is gonna change and transform their lives, amen? Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, I want to pray. This morning, I pray for your people, Lord God, your hand upon each of them. Your hand stretched out upon us, Lord God. I pray for transformation. I pray, Father God, for renewal and healing. I pray, Father God, for confidence for those, my God, that have a need in their lives. I pray, Father God, that you would give us the confidence, a discernment, Lord God, that you would help us to understand your purpose and your will, your power, my God, in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father God, I pray, let them lay hands on him with faith, with faith for deliverance. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you this morning. Let us not be distracted, Father God, by what it is you desire to do in our lives. But I pray, Father God, for a rich and powerful move of God this morning. Despite all the distractions, Father God, have your way. Have your way in our lives. You've called us, some of us, Lord God, like Ananias, some of us have been called to pray for others. 
And somehow, Father God, in a way that we have not earned, you've given us favor to lay hands on others. Father God, and, and something powerful takes place. Others of us are just like Saul in need of, of that prayerful touch, in need of that healing touch where years of rage, years of misdirection, years of undecided wandering is healed in an, in an instant through the laying on of hands. Father, let us not lose this powerful ministry. I pray for parents, Lord God, grandparents. I pray for those, my God, who are concerned for others, those who have loved ones and with needs. Father God, I don't know how it works, but show us, prove yourself that through the laying on of hands, my God, you're able to transfer power and grace, healing, my God, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen. If God has spoken to you, perhaps you say, I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. God, make my hands organs of grace, instruments of grace. Oh God, let my prayer be heard as I pray for others, as I pray for my children. Lord God, I pray let favor be passed on to them. As I pray for others at the altar, Lord God, I pray that you would hear their prayer, that you would move in their lives, my God, that you would heal and transform, my God, that you would renew, Father God, that you would do something powerful. That you would do something powerful. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.